this is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Thanks for joining me today. This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you tuning in today to study God's Word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 4, thinking about Abraham and him as an example of saving faith. And so this is what Paul is going to hold up, or rather he is, Abraham is, the example Paul is going to put before us of what saving faith looks like. So he's just concluded this point in Romans chapter 3 with regard to justification and how only through faith can one be justified, through faith in Jesus Christ can one be justified or stand righteous before God. And so now he's going to offer a picture of what that looks like and the man Abraham, who is the father of the faithful, as Paul makes the point here. In Romans 4, verses 20 through 22, Paul says, No unbelief made him, that's Abraham, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Yeah, that is a, a good summation, I think, of the the thrust that Paul is is making here in Romans chapter 4, the point that Paul is making here in Romans chapter 4. He has a lot to say about Abraham. We're going to consider some of that and his faith, and he uh, takes our minds back to Genesis 15 and some other places as well. Um, we're going to think about, again, Abraham's example as he's held up here by Paul. But first, I want to just throw out a couple of passages with regard to faith so that it's fresh on our minds as we think about what biblical faith is, uh, that it's not just passive agreement, it's not just mental assent to something, uh, saying that um, there is a God, I believe there is a God, I believe uh, that Jesus Christ is his son. Uh, lots of people believe that, lots of people would say that. James in James chapter 2 says even the demons acknowledge that and they shudder and they tremble. And so saving faith and biblical faith goes beyond mere lip service and goes beyond just passively agreeing with something that the Bible says. In Hebrews eleven six, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who diligently seek him. And so that should color our understanding of what faith is. It's necessary to please God, and those with faith are diligently seeking God. And the implication is, is that they're diligently seeking to please Him. And this is true for all people in all generations who have found acceptance before God through their faith. It was, as the Hebrew writer says in verse 2, it was through faith that the men of old gained approval. So faith has always been and always will be the only way any man or woman can have a covenant relationship with God, can be brought into fellowship with God. And this hasn't changed. That fact hasn't changed in the last days in which we are now living. The Hebrew writer makes that clear that you and I and all people alive now, we are living in the last days of this this world. That doesn't mean that uh, Jesus is coming back tomorrow or, or today. We don't know when he's going to return but this is the final dispensation is the point. There's no other revelation that is coming contrary to 
what has already been revealed and, and contrary to what some people would teach even now in the religious world that um, they have active inspiration from the Holy Spirit or they have another testament of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible is making clear there is there is no such thing. The Hebrew writer says in, at the very beginning of his text in Hebrews 1 that though God has spoken in times past in, in the various different ways uh, through prophets or through the heads of families, he has in these last days spoken to us through his dear son. Verse 2. So we we know that these are, the if that was true in the Hebrew writer's time, it's true in our time, and we can know that these are the last days. So all revelation was done in anticipation of Christ who would come and save us from our sins in these in these last days and as i mentioned previously in our study paul in romans 1 through 3 romans chapters 1 through 3 he's proving and has proven that all men whether that you know whether the category is that of jews his people or whether you're talk, talking about non-jews that is gentiles all people jews and gentiles are accountable to god all have sinned against God, Jews and Gentiles, and thus all are condemned by God unless unless they submit to him through faith by obeying the gospel of Christ. And so that's that's kind of the big sweeping overview of one's uh, Romans chapter one through three. Certainly there's a lot of other little points that we've covered, um, subordinate points in making that that big, that big point, that big thesis, uh, that all have fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and thus need the blood of Jesus Christ to remove sins that we may stand before him blameless and justified. Uh, but I would point you to our previous studies to, um, to consider those points again. So as Paul continues to reveal how one can be justified or declared righteous, He's drawing our attention to this this one man. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? Your Bible might say, What has Abraham discovered in this matter? And so that's, you know, in the context of the larger discussion, the, the matter is the matter of justification. So Paul is, is dialing in on Abraham and saying, Well, what did Abraham find? What did Abraham discover about justification? And so that leads us into these points that Paul is going to make about what soul-saving faith is by looking at Abraham. And the first thing he's going to say as we continue here in verse 2 is that Abraham, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And so let's stop right there for just a moment, because at first glance, it would seem like what Paul is saying here at the beginning of Romans chapter 4 is contradicting what we see in James 2.21. And this is might sound a little confusing at, at first, and, and you know there might be a lot of question marks popping up in your head as we read this next text, but just bear with me, and we're going to see how Paul and James are really saying the same thing as we move, move through this text. But in James chapter 2, in verse 19, James says, You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and tremble. 
But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? And you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So you see that a man, verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So we think about what James is saying here and what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 4 that we just read, and it would appear, again, at first glance, that we've run into a contradiction. Contradiction, But we have to keep the context in mind. What kind of works is Paul talking about? And what kind of, kind of works is James talking about? They're both using the, the word itself, works, and talking about how one is justified. But And what, what is the context of their instruction? So James is speaking of works as obedience in his context. If you back up to the um, a few verses to the beginning of chapter 2. He's indicting people who would claim to have faith and yet who do nothing as a demonstration of that faith. Their, their faith that they claim to have does not manifest itself in their life in any way. So their faith, in other words, is that passive agreement that I was that I mentioned at the beginning of our, our study. Because James asked the question in verse 14 of chapter 2, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works. Can that faith save him? And so James is is calling us not to deceive ourselves. He's saying, if you are going to say you have faith, and yet your faith does not transfer, it doesn't. It's not life changing in any way. You're not doing anything about your faith, as we see in Hebrews chapter eleven. All those people acting on their faith, diligently seeking God. James says that faith, that faith is useless. He says, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? And so, and then he says, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. And so James is speaking of submission, right? Faith is ultimately, biblical faith is ultimately submission and obedience. And James is taking people to task in James chapter 2 over their lip service and claiming that they have faith when really it's just a paltry imitation of biblical faith because they're not doing anything. They're not serving God in, in, any, in any capacity. Whereas Paul, in his context, when he is speaking of works, he's not speaking of obedience. He is speaking of meritorious deeds. Right? He's talking about things that are due to somebody as a result of, of works. And that becomes clear if you just look at verse 4, he, he shows us how he is defining works in his context. So James, again, to be clear, James is not speaking of meritorious deeds. He is talking about the, necessi- the necessity of submission and obedience in faith to God. Paul is talking about works in the context of meritorious deeds, trying to earn a wage by what we do. And he says in verse 4, no one, uh, excuse me, now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as what is due. All right, so clearly the works that Paul has in view are those that earn wages, right? They, they do not earn grace. They do not earn favor. They earn what is due. And he's using that language because of the previous point that he just made a few verses earlier in chapter 3. 
that the only wage any of us is due, the only wage any of us is due as a result of what we've done is death. Excuse me, he says that in Romans 6 and verse 23. Previously in Romans 3.23 he had said, All men have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is, is death. And so that gets all of us. The only wages that we have ever earned by our deeds is, is death. And that's consistent with all New Testament teaching. No man can earn or merit justification through his law-keeping, whether it be the law of Moses or the law of Christ, which we are under now. 1 Corinthians 9.21 and Luke 17.10. Jesus says, At the end of the day, even if you have done all things that I have commanded you, you say we are unworthy slaves. We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.21, that he is not without the law, but he is under the law of Christ. So if someone could live, if someone could live in such a way as to merit justification, then he would have grounds for boasting. But Paul has already said, he's already ruled that out. He says, where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law of works? No, but by a law of faith. And he's proving in Romans chapter 1 that even in Abraham's case, this is true. And so how then was Abraham justified by faith, and how is he an example for us? He didn't earn anything. He didn't earn his justification before God, but nevertheless, he was justified by his, uh, by his faith. Abraham was, and he was also justified by his obedience, as the, as the point that James is making in James chapter 2. Abraham was justified by faith, and that does not contradict anything that James says in James chapter 2. Because faith demands obedience. And even though James is saying works in James chapter 2, he's not using that in the same sense as Paul is in Romans chapter 4. James is speaking of obedience, which without which no faith is valid. So Abraham was justified by faith. And he says, what does the scripture say? Verse 3, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, here's the significant thing about that phrase, that verse uh, that passage that Paul is quoting there in verse 3, the New Testament uses that phrase with regard to Abraham on three different occasions. And it's all they're all with reference to Abraham's justification, of course, and teaching us how we can be justified. And two of those three times occur right here in, in Romans chapter 4, and one time we've already read in James chapter 2 just a moment ago. Now here's why that's significant. It's because it's teaching us, it's, it's significant because it's teaching us that Abraham's justification was not confined to a single moment in his life. Paul is not saying that Abraham had some sort of faith experience in Genesis chapter 15 and, and the text that he's quoting in verse 7. And, and in that particular moment, then Abraham was justified before God and then nothing else he did mattered. And so we just need to have a faith experience or the moment that we have, the moment that we believe in God or the moment that we believe in Jesus Christ, well, then we're justified. But that's not true because that's not the point that Paul is making either in this context. And it's not what James says either because James is pointing to an entirely different event when he says Abraham was justified by works. And the Hebrew writer also in Hebrews 11 will, will highlight a different event in Abraham's life as an example of Abraham's faith. 
right? Which Paul says, by which Paul says he was justified before God. So Paul is pointing to another event in this very same context in which Abraham's faith is credited to him as righteousness or reckoned to him or counted to him as righteousness or justification. And namely, that that's his belief in God's promise of a son, Isaac. If you drop down to verse 19 of Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 19, this is the text that we read a moment ago. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, that's his wife. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but he grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured that God, what God had promised, he would also perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Not for his own, not for his sake only was it written, that it was credited to him, but for all our sake also. And so now Paul is well beyond Genesis 15 and verse 7, in which uh, God initially gives Abraham the promise of land and posterity and all these other blessings and blessing all the nations of the earth through through him. And Abraham believes that and acts upon it, and that's counted to him as righteousness. But now Paul is talking about a different uh, part of Abraham's life, this specifically uh, the promise of the, the son Isaac that came later. And then finally, James is pointing to Abraham's obedience when offering up Isaac. So after Isaac is born, James is pointing to Abraham's obedience in, in his willingness to sacrifice Isaac as fulfillment of Genesis 15, 6, that his faith was reckoned as righteousness. And in addition to these passages... The Holy Spirit presents Abraham as a true believer in God even before the events of Genesis 15 that Paul is speaking of in Romans 4. Remember, God appeared to Abraham before he left Haran, while still in Mesopotamia, Stephen says in Acts 7, and he obeyed and went out by faith, Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 tells us. And so Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith, which God reckoned to him as righteousness, was not a single momentary experience in his life in which we can put our finger on and we can say that that's it. That's the moment in which Abraham was justified forever. But what we see is that he was a man of faith. In other words, his his faith persisted throughout his life. We can see it before he left Mesopotamia, when he left Mesopotamia, when God called him to be circumcised, when we see the promise of his son when we see him um, commanded to offer up his son as a burnt offering, as, as a sacrifice. We see his faith in all of those events, and all of those events are held up in Scripture as a testament to Abraham's faith. And so the point is, the point is, is that Abraham was justified by faith, and his justification kept pace with his faith in God. He believed God. Therefore, he submitted to God, and the Lord counted him righteous by grace. Hebrews eleven eight. So, in so far as Abraham was faithful, he was he was justified. To to use Paul's words that we read a moment ago, Abraham was fully convinced. Verse twenty one of chapter four. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And then verse 19 in Hebrews chapter 11 says, Abraham considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead in reference to, again, him being called to offer up his son Isaac, through which 
he had received the promise, right? Isaac was his only son, and, and it was through Isaac that the whole world was going to be blessed. And of course, Israel came from Isaac and and then and the Messiah as well through the tribe of Judah. So uh, this is how God was going to, to bless the whole world. And so when Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, his faith said, well, God will just raise him back from the dead. God will be true to his promise. And Abraham was fully, as Paul says, fully convinced, fully convicted that God would do what he said. So he submitted in everything. This was a man who trusted God despite circumstances, despite outward appearances, despite his own lack of understanding. Right? Why would God tell me to kill my son when it's through this son that he's going to bless the world and and he doesn't want human sacrifice anyway. I don't understand, but Abraham follows through and he continues to be convicted and he's continuing to trust to trust God, even despite his own physical human limitations in his physical body, right? Paul points that out as well, that he, he was well past the age of childbearing and so was Sarah for that matter. He was 100 years old and Sarah was barren and not only was she barren, but she was old also. And yet, with respect to the promise of God, Abraham didn't waver. But he grew even stronger in faith. And so he continued to act upon that faith. He didn't just say, yeah, okay, whatever, God, I believe you, and then live however he wanted or, or um, you know, treated people how he wanted or moved back to Mesopotamia or of the Chaldees. No, he continued to obey. He continued to sojourn in the land of Canaan. He continued uh, to be obedient to God. He continued to trust God. So is it any wonder why he is held up as the father of all who believe? As Paul says in this this very context, in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised. And the point that Paul is making is, is that Physical circumcision and uncircumcision doesn't really mean anything unless you follow through, unless you really believe God. And so we are called to walk in the footsteps of Abraham, verse 12. The father of circumcision to those who not are only of the circumcision, but also who follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. Or as the ESV says, that those who walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had. And so we see here, Paul is not ruling out obedience, right? No, it's just the opposite, right? He's saying Abraham's faith led him to walk with God, led him to um, uh, live a certain life and live, conduct himself a certain way. And so we are called also to walk in the footsteps of faith. And insofar as we do in our time in this dispensation and submitting to Jesus Christ, fully convinced that he is able to do what he promised, that is save our souls in the end in judgment and, and make us blameless and holy before a righteous God so that we will not spend eternity in hell. If we are fully convinced of that and we submit to him as a result, which is right, which is evidence of our faith without obedience, James chapter two, faith is is useless. Then we can be justified just as Abraham was. What Abraham discovered is that God has always and, and will always justify men on the basis of their faith. 
men who not only believe in God, but who believe him, believe what he says, believe his word, to the point that they actually follow through with it. Right? Abraham left his home and his relatives. Abraham was circumcised. Abraham did offer up Isaac. Abraham did sojourn in the land of Canaan. And that's that's what men and women who are fully assured of God's word, that's what they do. They submit, they obey. That's what real faith looks like. And that's what Paul is saying here. That's why Abraham was justified. Men and women who are fully assured of God's word are the same ones who obey. And thus they are the ones who are justified. When God specifies what to do, people with faith respond in obedience every time, just as Abraham did. Hence, he is the father of the faithful. And none of that is to say that Abraham earned his righteousness. No, nobody can do that. Nobody can earn their righteousness any more than the slave who fell at the feet of his master earned a pardon in Matthew 18, 26. I think sometimes people read Romans chapter 4 and they see uh, Paul, uh, you know, they perceive Paul to be talking so badly about works and from works they think that means doing anything or any act of obedience and that's not what Paul is saying that's not what Paul is saying at all he's not contradicting James James is saying faith is submission to God it is obedience but Paul is saying Abraham didn't earn anything and nobody earns anything before God but nevertheless Abraham submitted and he was justified apart from the law of Moses even before he was circumcised and the emphasis, the, you know, the reason Paul is, is saying these things is to show his primarily Jewish audience that the Mosaic Law served a purpose, but it wasn't, it wasn't the end game. It wasn't ever going to completely justify anybody. It was just a temporary measure. And that even Abraham lived apart from the Law of Moses, yet he was justified because he submitted to God in faith. That text I referenced a moment ago in Matthew 18 and verse 26 is a parable from Jesus in which a slave is forgiven of a tremendous debt that he owed to his master. In verse 26 it says, The slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before, the, before his master, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the master of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. And the reason I think that that text is significant and why it needs to be brought into the discussion whenever we're talking about works and obedience and, and things like this is because it's almost as if a lot of folks have come to the conclusion that the way this slave throws himself at the feet of the master, they would say that that's work and that that's earning salvation. When... I don't think any reasonable person would argue that. But that's what faith looks like. That's what submission is. That's that's the kind of biblical works of faith that James is talking about. Throwing yourself at the feet of the master and begging for mercy. That's all any of us can do. And the point is that God promises gifts and grace. And those are, those are offered to all, but they, they cannot be enjoyed until... Again, we throw ourselves at his feet and obey in faith just like Abraham did. 
So the question for us is, have we submitted in faith and do we continue to do so? Not just going through a mechanical kind of performance or just going through the motions, but have we really from the heart, Romans 6, 17, have we really obeyed from the heart? Because in a nutshell, that's what faith is. Trust and obey. Is that not what we see in Abraham's life? Is that not what we see in every person's life in Hebrews chapter 11? That trust, that implicit trust and conviction, being fully convinced, as Paul says in Romans chapter 4, and having been fully convinced that obedience that comes into one's life as a result. To be justified by faith as Abraham was, we must walk in the footsteps of faith. Or as John says, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do we really have faith? We really have faith like Abraham to walk, to walk with Jesus, that we may have fellowship with him, that we may have access to his grace, to be forgiven. Thanks for tuning in today. If you have any questions or you want to follow up on this study, please email us at leonvalleychurch at gmail.com or you can go to leonvalleychurch.org or visit our website and find a contact form there. Please continue to study your Bible. I'm going to do the same. Let us ever be growing and drawing near to God through His Word. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.